Welcome to the Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your fun and friendly host. We're in episode 15 of season four, the very best one yet. What is up, the Daily Grinders? My name is Kelly, your host. As always, we have a new segment, a new feature that we're doing on social, and we want you to be a part of it. The Daily Grind, that's the name of our podcast. What does the Daily Grind mean to you? Our simple phrase, following a certain routine every morning to start your day or on a larger scale that shapes the outlook on your life. Submit yours on our direct link form, direct.me slash dailygrindpod, or visit us on social at dailygrindpod and get featured. special guest on today's podcast. I'll keep the introduction short. I'd like to welcome the show, Jake Brewer. Jake is a 23-year-old indie pop singer, songwriter, and founder of Friendly Media, a passion project turned business where he works with artists across genres to curate their art, discover new ways to make indie music stand out across platforms. So welcome to the show, Jake. Yeah, what? Kelly, thanks so much for having me. I'm super stoked for this. And that was that was a super fun intro. I feel energized now. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I was, to be honest, before we hit the record button, I was jamming to some of your music before and just to get in the zone. What? So, yeah, we're we jamming. I feel like my music's so sad. I love that you were jamming <laughs> to it, though, that you're like, yeah, and it's like a ballad or something like that. Yeah. Wait, just, that's so kind of you, though. Definitely, yeah, just to get into, the, get into the zone, get into our daily grind here. Our listeners are beyond excited to learn more about your story and what you do, obviously. So, yes, turn it up in here, I guess. No pun intended on, on the music side. I'm going to try to throw some puns at you. Can you yeah. briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your daily grind? Yeah, wow, what a great question. And if we're doing puns and cliches, then then you've got the right guest on today. Yeah, so my name is Jake Brewer. I basically love music so much that I decided to do every single thing possible involving it. So I've been an indie artist for, for some years now. I just released um, an album earlier this year. Um, but then I also started a media and artist management company, Friendly, which also does events and basically just works to elevate and provide opportunities for other young artists like myself. And the daily grind for me uh, is just absorbing as much music as I can. I guarantee that my Spotify wrapped has more minutes um, than everybody listening right now, just because there's always music playing. For me, I have to charge my AirPods multiple times a day just because of how much music I'm consuming. But uh, I'm a morning person, too. I will be up and at it at 6 a.m. That's just the way that I work. Because once the sun sets, I'm done. My roommate always laughs at me. By the time that they get home, I am in bed sleeping. Um, but that's just how it works for me. And I'm, I'm just a huge music lover. And I think every day I just try to learn something new. And the music industry is something that evolves so, so fast um, that I just try to, I try to learn something new while also not sticking so much to what I know as well. Because at one point, that'll be outdated. 
Wonderful. Yeah, really well said, Jake. Like I mentioned in the intro, we're excited to have you on the show, dive into your business and how you support artists all, all around in general, and just learn from you, the expert on, on today's episode uh, in the music industry, in the space, and just kind of growing and uh, navigating and uh, seeking out those opportunities and taking, taking control of them. So uh, yeah, it's friendly here. Um, tell us more about it. you. Give us a little teaser, but tell us, you know, the support and work you have with upcoming artists. Yeah, yeah. Friendly started as um, you had described it great earlier of the passion project turned business because I think that's a way that a lot of businesses just start and it's really hard to take things kind of seriously as a business right when you get started. But Friendly started years ago when I was really struggling with my own music to feel like I reached this sort of validation with representation. And so I had asked my friend Madison, I was like, hey, can you come on as my manager? Because I feel like I'm going to get like a lot more validation and recognition that way. Um, because I was booking venues for this tour and nobody really wanted to work with the artist directly. They're like, well, who's the manager? Who can we give a call to? And it was something that was really frustrating because I was like, I know I'm ready for this. I know I can do this. And then once I started using Madison's name of everything, it was just exponentially more successful and literally the only change that was made was signing the email with a different name rather than myself and i just i felt like i found one of the huge flaws that are really preventing a lot of young artists kind of from having their voices elevated and i was about to graduate college at the time and i was like i feel like this is such a common issue and it's got to be some other problem for um, other friends of mine and so i signed on some friends and i kind of realized that i have such a creative energy and this ambition that kind of goes beyond my own music where to the point where I can't churn out enough music to you know fill this desire that I have to market and promote and build a brand behind music and so that's why I was like I should work in managing artists because how different can it be it turns out to be very different but I also learned that there's such this beautiful thing about having both sides of that experience because I found that when I work with Basic, I call them my friends because every person I work with either was my friend to start or is now my friend now because that's just the nature of our relationship. But every artist that works with Friendly, I find that I'm able to sort of put myself in their shoes a lot. I don't want to say better than maybe a typical manager could because that's not necessarily true, but I have this perception of how personal the music feels to them and how it feels to have somebody tell you how you should market your music, how you should distribute it, and what we should kind of create about it. And I think I have this just perception that allows me to really walk that line respectfully with other artists and, you know, kind of be an advisor and kind of be somebody that builds them up while also really recognizing that the best strategy isn't always the definition of best strategy as much as the way that feels right to them. And it's it's a hard um, line to walk because it's not necessarily always clear, but I think it puts me in a position that is really beneficial because I have that experience as an artist where people have told me what to do before. And really, I'm just trying to evolve um, Friendly into this organization that is more than just management too because I felt like just labeling it artist management was kind of, I want to be so careful the way I explain this, but like I feel like we don't really know the names of management companies as much unless you're really, really deep into the music industry. And even if you do know them, you kind of know them as this like just big corporation that is just sucking percentages and royalties <laughs> from these yeah. artists. And I didn't, I didn't want to be that way either. Cause that's just not really what I believe in like at all, nor do I want to be framed in that way. And so 
um, I really wanted to take friendly in this direction of just elevating everybody and just providing opportunity beyond like the original clientele. And that's why we started like our music festival that happens every year and why I have ambitions even beyond that, because I really just want to give so many opportunities um, to other young artists like myself and Friendly's family. Because one of the big issues about music festivals is you can't play a music festival until you've played a music festival. It's like one of the worst catch 22s. And so <laughs> I was like, well, why don't we create our own and then but be the only music festival that isn't like, hey, you have to have experience mm -hmm. to do this. Because I don't know, I feel like that way, not only are you a huge part of every artist's journey when you give them an original platform like that, mm -hmm. but you get to be associated with the start of some amazing careers that they have ahead. Yeah, I have a couple of questions just to follow up even too on uh, on your experience here. Like that barrier to entry, you mentioned like just being able to plan a festival, but also to being associated with or affiliated with the management company. Is that is that right? Is that like a, that's hard to break into? Yeah, yeah. To, to just, do you mean just like getting a manager and mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's tough, especially that first person because music is definitely one of those industries where I feel like I've learned that like, a lot of people don't want to love something until they know someone else loves something like no one ever actually wants to be the first person they want to be like third fourth or fifth to like fall in love with something because yeah. everyone's always like concerned but it's like mm -hmm. if somebody loves something that means it's worth it and kind of going in and, and by that i mean either fans or just like a manager like once you have a manager behind you that means somebody's vetted this artist somebody has mm -hmm. looked into it enough to invest in them that way and sometimes that's all that other people really need is to know that they have some sort of representation which is so silly because it really doesn't mean anything and there are some artists who self-manage themselves that are so incredible um to the point you actually really don't even know that they self-manage themselves but i think it's so interesting because there's no right way to do anything but i also love that that is the case because i think then the barrier to entry is slowly kind of getting chipped away because the more that we diverge and kind of create these detours of how to reach quote unquote success. And I'm doing little finger quotes yeah, for the people listening yeah. as I do that, because yeah. I don't think there's one clear definition of success. It mm -hmm. varies person to person. I think as we start chipping away at that barrier, um, there is more routes than the, the traditional ways like labels and people who just, you know, where once the day was, you have to go, you have to get your YouTube videos seen by A&R to make it. I think the people that follow those traditional routes are kind of shaken in their offices right now because there's there's no um, there's no clear way that things happen anymore. Oh, definitely, yeah. The industry continues to change, continues to evolve into something. And that's across industries, not just music uh, in general. But yeah. yeah, you mentioned like validation, um, your personal experience, and having that the relationships is so key. I think nowadays too, um, on both sides of the equation, just how you can support uh, the artists and how they can perform and uh, do exceptionally well each and every day, and what they want to get out uh, in in their own career. So. Uh, talking about you, you touched on a little bit earlier. Do you like in your past experiences, like school or work or uh, things in general, have helped set you up to what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, yes and no. Actually, I music isn't really something that has been with me for like that long. Um, well. It feels like a long time, but you know, I think when we hear people like, like, oh, I started singing when I was three, and that's like, that's all I ever want to do. Like, that is not my story at all. I actually started dancing first. Mm -hmm. My aunt owns a dance studio, and so I think that was kind of the origin story of everything for me. And then I remember in fifth grade, my music teacher at the time was like, she literally pulled me aside after class, and I was like, 
I was so like, I was such a scared like child of everything. Um, and I thought I was like in trouble. I don't know what for, but I just, that was just my immediate assumption. But she was like, I really, really want you to um, be in like the musical and like do this. And like, I think it was Pinocchio. I think that's what it was. And I remember being like, no way. Like, and I think she knew that I knew dance cause like my aunt lived right next to the school. So like, I think there was, I think she just like knew that I had that background or whatever. And I was like, no way, like that means you have to sing. Like I'm not doing that. And she begged me. I think she literally even called my mom and like told told my mom to like get me to do it because she really had so much faith in me. And I remember my whole family kind of being like, oh, like this, she's so adamant about this. Um, and that was just a huge shift for me. Like I immediately caved and I loved every single second of that. And I think that just set me on this trajectory. And from there I started learning guitar and I was a very stubborn child. And I think that stubbornness sort of manifested in different ways as I got older because I quit guitar lessons immediately because I didn't like somebody telling me how to play other people's songs. Mm -hmm. I decided I was like, I love guitar so much more when I'm self teaching myself to write my own songs. And so songwriting has been like around for much longer than kind of me releasing music. And then I actually, I went to school uh, in Boston and I just graduated last year and I didn't study music at all, but I studied PR and communication um, because I didn't, at that point, I didn't think I actually was a good enough musician. I probably wouldn't even have called myself a musician at that point, just because I didn't think I was at this like caliber that all the people going to music school would be. And so I studied communications. And at that point, I didn't know. But now that I love that I did that, because I think having the PR background, and I did some business experience when I was at BU too, I think those all kind of collaborate nicely right now. And I feel like I'm learning music as I go. And honestly, the best, I loved my time at BU, but like the best lessons I ever learned were outside of the classroom. And so I feel like mm -hmm. I'm learning more now than I ever have before. Oh, definitely. Yeah, really well said, Jake. And I think, yeah, just being outside the classroom, outside the books in general, I think this is where you hone in and like learn things literally on your daily grind. Yeah, I was going to mention or ask too, like on the business side, because you had that, you had that quote right away. It's like completely two different <laughs> ways to work, uh, managing the business as well as performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it um, it's it's a really it's a different reality, but I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of crossover too because I learn so much from managing other artists that I then can take into my own sort of reality, like when I get to tour with another artist, I learn so much more about how other artists work and I learn new things or like mm -hmm. even just showing up to a venue with, with them as a, when I'm wearing my manager hat, like I learn, I watch something happen that goes, Oh, next time I'm like opening a show or playing my own headlining show. Like I'm going to do that sort of strategy. And there's a million examples like that. But I think um, when a lot of people told me when I first was like, I want to do full friendly and I really want to build this up into something and continue my own music so many people around me even like friends of mine were like you can't do that like it doesn't work like that um but i was always amazed because i was like what like when we listen to podcasts like this we listen to like the way people speak um they're never like well i realized nobody had done that before so i like didn't do it like no one ever says that so i don't know why we like are so comfortable taking that advice because that's not who we look up to like those people and so i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and I'm just gonna like roll with it. And if I, I'm not the first person to ever do this, definitely. But if I'm like somebody that can really like lay out that groundwork and be like, yeah, you can still have your creative outlet through your own music and work with other artists to kind of do that. I, I see such a parallel mm -hmm. and so much crossover between 
between those kind of worlds than I think a lot of people realize. Definitely. Yeah. I think you're, you're on the right track here and you're again, opening the door and giving us the BTS behind the scenes on what goes on in this music space and how to, you know, help, help support those up and coming artists. I think that's so key and you're doing a great job. We promote uh, just supporting others and, you know, striving towards those goals. You're doing something that you're really passionate about and we preach that a ton here on the daily grind. I wanted to kind of the origin story though on friendly media. So how'd that come about? Like, was that something just like, uh, yeah, tell us more. Like, what was your aha moment? Yeah, yeah. I um, I actually really think, I think the aha moment was a lot more recent than um, I think we, because although Friendly started years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I I went to, um, I went to the, uh, I think it was the law school at BU, and I literally asked, like, how do I file an LLC? Like, I literally, I was like, a, I was, I was, I still am a child, um, <laughs> like, learning how to do those things, because um, I knew, like, I was taking these business classes, and I was mm-hmm. like, I know there's some things that I have to do um, mm-hmm. as I work on this, and so once I got, like, that kind of settled, I really didn't even, like, know, like, I remember when I filed for the LLC, like, they had, I really had to describe what Friendly was, and I was like, I don't know, like, I don't, like, I don't even, I, this is, it's just going to be what I want it to be as it goes on, and of course, like, the, like, lawyers were like, that is not what we can put on this paperwork, <laughs> and um, so I really just, def- I think I just defined it as, like, as just entertainment services, which I remember laughing at the time, that sounds so odd, just to, like, <laughs> say I'm an entertainment service company, because that could be taken definitely the wrong way, but, um, yeah, moving on from there, I just, I, we slowly were taking on clients from there, and I knew I wanted the LLC protection, because that's something I, I'd learned about in school, and I think the aha moment was actually last summer when we did um, Friendly Fest for the first time. And I had spent months and months and months because, you know, this was this was really peak pandemic. And I was kind of thinking like, you know, like I told myself Friendly was going to kind of be this innovative, different approach to everything. And I was like, I'm gonna have to compete with so many people who have so much more experience than me. But you know, during the pandemic, like live music was not a thing at all. But the, the demand was still there, if not more, because everybody wanted some sense of normalcy and feeling like they could watch live music. And I was like, well, maybe this is like a huge opportunity for Friendly to debut itself when the noise is a little bit lessened and the demand is higher. And so we put together the first Friendly Fest. I thought Friendly Fest would happen years and years from even like now. I didn't think we'd be ready for that. But I was like, let's just go. Let's go all in. I spent months and months and months. Um, Madison and then my friend Ama helped too. We kind of all collaborated and we're like talking to all these artists from around the globe. And we were like, can you send us like a, a small set? And I was literally on Spotify going just like my release radar and, and just like finding new artists because we didn't have much of a network at that point. And so I was researching and I was like, okay, like I found their email or I found their Instagram and I was just DMing and emailing so many people. Um, And I think it just happened so beautifully and naturally where, you know, I wanted the artists involved that were going to go, hey, this is a cool idea. You've never done this before, but I want to be a part of it. Like those are the people I wanted. And it just happened so naturally that like those were the only people that responded (laughs) were the ones who were like, hey, this is cool. You've never done this before. Like, I'll respond to this and I'll give you the time of day. And so I I love that so much. And I really just learned a lot from them and kind of watching all these different artists come together to create something that I had done. And, um, you know, as it got closer, like 
to premiering and I was spent hours and hours editing this whole thing together. It was two days. I think it was three hours each day, two or three hours each day. I, I think it was, I think it was three. Um, but, uh, and they would just send me like thank you notes about like, you know, you like, this is, I started music during the pandemic. This was my first ever performance or something like that. And I just remember like feeling like this is exactly what I always wanted to do. Like I wanted to give people this platform and like be the person to open the door to be like, walk through, I'm going to show you that you can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes that's all people really need is just one person to go, Hey, like I, like your music and what you do like put something together and like this is so cheesy and people are gonna probably think i'm like lame for saying but like i literally cried because i was so so happy like watching these people's sets like come together and just how much they complimented um each other and how they would like thank friendly during it and i was like this is i don't know it was i think that was my aha moment because it ended and um we'd promote it so much as like you know have your release parties like don't just watch this on your phone like you know pull up that projector in your backyard or whatever like you know i live in new york so like go on your roof and watch this with friends or or whatever um and i think seeing those videos of people doing that i think was just so so amazing because i knew that like the team behind friendly had done something that not only meant a lot to the artist but meant a lot to live music fans and like it got like a, over like a thousand people watched it like when it ha- and i was like that is insane mm-hmm. and i think it just proved the value and just kind of going for it and not being afraid of you know if if nobody watched if only my parents watched it i would still be so excited you know mm-hmm. um and then i'm just i don't know it was i think that was my aha moment yeah I know that, that was wordy but <laughs> no that was great yeah full-blown story we like all the details here on, on the pod no, I think that's again goes back to the point like you can tell I'm very passionate about what you do and also supporting those up and coming artists super crucial and also in the heart of the pandemic. Uh, and it kind of transitioned me into the next song on this playlist here on what we sh- what we should expect for the Friendly Fest for this year. I know by the time this episode airs, uh, the the event will already have taken, but tell our listeners more about it. Yeah. Oh wait, should I oh, okay, I'm like should I be yeah. like pretend and be like well at friendly fest you <laughs> saw like i could um that, yeah. that i'll trip myself up if i yeah. do that though no um no yeah when we're recording this we're like deep deep in the mm-hmm. process of planning it and kind of mm-hmm. creating it and everything but it's the first year that friendly fest is happening in person which is terrifying but also like the best thing ever because of course like yeah like virtual live music great but like in person on live music like you can't compete with that and so I really just asked a ton of friends and I've lived in New York a year now. And so I asked a ton of, you know, local artists and people even from around the country to like come out and be a part of this. And I really wanted to put on this year just because, you know, we're all in the same room now. I wanted to do something really special that meant that like, that only happened if all those artists were in the same room like that night. Like it wasn't just like these artists are going to come up and do their 15 minute set. It was going to be like these artists were going to come back and we're going to do collaborations and we're going to do, you know, special covers and, you know, to have like all the friendly artists under one roof. Like at one point, I actually don't think has ever happened before. And so like that is why like I think I'm really, really excited and you know, I, I think I'm not even gonna really know what the event looks like until the night of because it's just gonna be so spontaneous. But I, my goal is to put together a show that just really felt like you watched Friendly Fest, not like you watched, um, you know, a bunch of different acts play their typical 10 to 15 minute sets. Mm-hmm. Like, like you saw special because you come out to Friendly Fest. That's my mm-hmm. goal. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Plus, this is like your this is your second event, so I I think it'll continue to grow bigger and bigger. Uh, we'll have to get you, but maybe back on the pod for next year's one prior or oh, po yeah. post event, maybe. Uh, to hear oh, yeah. to hear about it in general. Super exciting. We're all about supporting local uh, venues, local artists, daily grinders like yourself on on today's episode. Switching gears just a little bit because you have such a, a like a vast experience in multiple things, including uh, music and also business. Uh, talking about your passion, uh, your passion project, and now I guess self-taught entrepreneur here. Tell us more about your TED talk. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I, it's so funny. I I don't know why I block it out from my memory. That was a really, a really interesting experience. Um, because it it had been on my bucket list like i think ever since i first since i first like watched my first ted talk in college like little did i know like one or two years later i'd be doing my own <laughs> um but uh i remember just being like this just felt like something i would like love to do it like at one point and then the opportunity came up because um they were doing uh one for kind of like a youth program in philadelphia and i was in boston at the time and i was like that's not that far like i can I can do that and so I was talking to them and I was like uh what if I like talked about friendly and kind of a lot of what I learned just up until that point of of thinking like if I give away control like actually how much that gives you back in return like surrendering a lot of control actually is one of the best like investments you can I think you can do on yourself um because when I was like I, I was allocating different things and I was trusting other people you know to manage me and other people were trusting me to manage them and I was saying okay like yeah this person like take the reins on marketing friendly fast like do this I was I was learning so much and it was a terrifying experience but I really just felt my organization grow because I think when you add more people and more perspectives you just naturally become attractive to different perspectives like if I had kept everything in my wheelhouse and what my realm of understanding was I would only ever reach the people that relate to my realm of understanding but if I was like I want to grow this and I want I want everyone to be involved like that would be so hypocritical of me just to keep it within my idea of what it could be and so I learned that through like definitely like a lot of trial and error but I'm really glad I learned that lesson early on and when I was thinking about the topic I wanted to do for the TED Talk, I was like, I think that is something that really pertains just to youth entrepreneurship, but like my generation a lot too. And um, it was really easy, but really difficult to write too, because I remember the first version of it I wrote, like was like 20 minutes long. If I was gonna read it, one, that was over the time limit, but two, like no way I can memorize that. Like that was terrifying. And admittedly, I did a really awful job preparing for it. I think I had to like submit the final like talk like a month or two before we taped mm. and so I had written it out did everything like I knew exactly what I was gonna say like it felt like I was just writing another essay for college but like this time it wasn't gonna be graded fortunately and I think it was like the week before I had like some event in New York the week before or something so I was really focused on that and then I remember the Monday before we were like taping on a Saturday or something like that and I remember being like, oh, like I should probably memorize this like now. And I had like my stand up mirror in my room and I gave that talk so many times in front of that mirror. And I, it just started like memorizing paragraph by paragraph. And I had um, taken a public speaking class at that point in college. And I think I'd emailed my teacher from or professor from that class and been like, hey, I'm gonna do this this weekend. Like, 
you know, like, would you read over this? Like, would you like, just because I wanted her expertise on it. And I knew that watching a ton of TED Talks, like I loved the people that felt really animated. And I knew I had to practice those things because fortunately I was comfortable in front of a camera and comfortable on stage. And my friends always joke too, like, if you want Jake to be himself, like put a camera on him, like that's just when he's most natural, which is silly and but maybe true. Um, so I feel totally comfortable and fine on camera. And you can probably even tell, like, now I, I talk with my hands a lot. And so, but I knew I had to practice those things. So it was, it was exhausting. And then that Friday, I drove down to Philadelphia. And I remember just reciting it in the car over and over and over, almost to the point where, like, I should probably stop saying this because I'm just going to get in my head about it. <laughs> but it was like, it was like 10 minutes. Yeah. And that, that was the longest thing I've ever memorized. Uh, and I had gotten my second dose of the vaccine mm -hmm. that day before, mm -hmm. but little did I know that that's the one that like knocks you yeah, out. Right. And we taped it like at 8 a.m. on a Saturday, and I felt so sick. I felt so awful, and I'd woken up at like six o'clock, and I was like, okay. I was like, here we go. And my friend Madison, who works on Unfriendly with me, was with me in Philadelphia, and she was like, okay, you like, you just you have to do this. Like this is. You, this is going to be something that lives on like for a long time and not to put add pressure, but like give it the 10 minutes and then you can sleep the rest of the day, you know, like just, just give everything you have. And I remember walking in there and it was like, okay, this is a full studio. This is everything. And it was actually tougher without an audience because you don't have any like energy or like any natural like mm -hmm. reference point or anything like that. You just had three cameras. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily in college, I had done a bunch of, like news and journalism and anchor work. And so I was really used to that setting, just this time I wasn't behind a desk. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay. And they said, like, we went rolling and I just like went into a mode and they were like, you can record this two or three times. But I was like, I don't know if I have that in me. And so I did it once and that was it. It just, and that was the end. And it was like 8, 10, 8, 15. And they were like, all right, you're good. And I left and I slept the rest of the day. Yeah, we so. like to hear that success <laughs> story. Way to power through. Uh, yeah, getting outside your comfort zone, taking the risk, not just with the TED Talk, but just in general uh, with what you've built to where Friendly Media is today. That's super exciting. We'll put in the link in the show notes where to find uh, Jake's TED Talk along with all of his other work too. Obviously, we'll discuss more uh, in closing. But yeah, tell us one more experience I want to hear about too. Uh, Grammys this year. Oh my, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah so that did happen. And uh, I don't know why, like, I, I remember these things happen, I swear. I just, it just so much happens in between that you not forget. The Grammys was the strangest, not the strangest night of my life, but it was a really odd experience. Um, just because I know, like, imposter syndrome, like, shouldn't be a thing because we, we do work for it. We deserve everything that we get. Mm -hmm. But, like, that was an experience of imposter syndrome where I was like, how am I here? And it was, it was so, oh, my God, okay, how can I best... I'm gonna be succinct because I know we don't have like hours to, for me to talk about this, but uh, yeah, I was in Las Vegas and my buddy from LA came out um, because I had an extra ticket and it was so, I'd never been to Vegas before. So I didn't really even like get like that everything's really far away. And so like, I was like, oh, we'll just like walk on over there or whatever. And I had like, this is the, I had like bought in a new suit. Cause I was like, I know there's gonna be pictures and like everything. And I wanted to do something like, I knew like I kind of wanted to be like a maroon suit is not bold but like I was like I didn't own like any like color in my suits or anything and I'd always worn blue and I was like let's like let's just get like a little more creative and um I had like my friends figure out what I was gonna wear and 
yeah, we like walk. It was inside the MGM, and we walked up, and it was it was strange because like there's just crowds of people like standing on the side as you walk in, and they're all like filming and taking pictures of of like me and my friend, and I was like, they're gonna be so like I'm no, but they're not gonna be. They think I don't know what they think this is. Like I'm not like I'm feeding into this like one section. Like we're not on the floor like with the actual like nominees and stuff like that. Like I'm in the bleachers. Like this is not what they think it is but i just remember being like i just have to soak up every moment and it was um it was cool because i was just waiting like it was like the airport like you wait to go through mm-hmm. security or like just any other concert mm-hmm. like everyone's waiting except they're just dressed to the nines and everyone around me is some music executive or you know is my friend and i laughed i was like we are plummeting like the net worth of this place <laughs> right now of just being in this crowd and I just remember seeing people that like I vaguely recognized. I saw like a few artists that I knew like literally standing and going through security too. And it was it was so strange just to be like, I am shoulder to shoulder with these people that I've seen on TV. Like it really, really felt like mm-hmm. it wasn't starstruck. It was just like more like who is about to like come out here and drag me out of here? Cause there's, I went to the wrong place. Like I'm not allowed here. Um, but uh, we go up into like the bleachers and it was funny because I was just vastly younger than everyone around me. So I think everyone was like, who, who is this kid? And it's like every commercial break you can't, or that's the only time you can leave because it's a live show. Like you can't be like moving. Mm-hmm. So like every commercial break, I would like sprint to the bathroom to go pee and then like come back because I didn't want to miss it. Cause I was there for the performances. Like I was so stoked. Mm-hmm. It was like the best concert lineup you could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a three and a half hour show. Like it was a long time, but like, I don't know. I've been to so many concerts. It just felt like I was going to the coolest show and lineup that I had ever seen before. And it was tough because I was like, I wanted to stand up and dance, but like, that's not what you do. Like there, like I'm sitting, like, I'm just kind of bopping. And, but it was fun. Like every time they would announce the winners and such, like everyone like around, like we started to make friends around and we would be like, Oh, like this person's like got it or like whatever. And, um, uh, there's this really kind woman next to us that we ended up making friends with. And, um, we would like my friend and I we were roommates in college and so we'd always bet on the award shows and so mm-hmm. it was really funny and full circle that we were there because the year prior we had been sitting on our couch watching the Grammys and then a year later we were sitting right in there person. watching it in person yeah. so it it was cool it was a really empowering mm-hmm. thing ultimately um, I think it just inspired me so much to be like I am going to be there again but I'm just going to slowly get closer and closer yeah, I love to hear it again. Yeah, I was going to say probably moving, inspira- inspirational event, and now it, you can build upon it. And like you mentioned in prior stuff, like attending different concerts, it really, you can pull different directions. Uh, I was speaking yeah. to another uh, person we had on the show, just like in terms of what you experience like in real time can also help you with your own business or brand or whatever in general. So yeah, speaking speaking of, of, of your own brand here, new album on the radar, Objects in the Mirror Are Closer Than They Appear. Tell us more about, you know, motivation behind it. Yeah, clunky title, am I right? Yeah, yeah it's a long one. Um, it's very purposeful. Mm-hmm. I, I'll i try to, I, again, I could talk about this for years, but I won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this album started um, really at a point where I didn't even know I wanted to make music again. Because uh, I was, this was my senior year of college, and I was like, I just really want to finish strong. Like, I really just want to, you know, focus on academics, like, and then figure out what life looks mm-hmm. like. 
But I think when I was in that mode, like I was going through so much and like your senior year is so like emotional of like, you know, this is the last like structure you have in your life. Like it's just, once you graduate, it's the rest of your life. That's just the period you look at. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lot of emotions that I had with that because I'm such a planner and I love structure that knowing that didn't happen, like it inspired a lot of, a lot of writing and I, um, I had to go into isolation um, housing to say the least. And that's when I really started writing this album um, because I was just writing a lot about a lot of those feelings of literal isolation, but like realizing that like at that point, like I know the friends who I want to stay friends with after college and I know the people I want to stay connected to. And so I wrote Pilot, the first song kind of about that. Um, and I got connected to a producer through like a friend of a friend. And we were talking a lot about vision of what I wanted Pilot to be. And she just built it into this like insane, like anthem song, like louder, more rock than I'd ever done before. But like, it was just, it was getting close to what I wanted to really create. And I just didn't stop writing from there. And she was so amazing to work with. Her name's Al Reardon. And she was just like, okay, next song. Like, what do you want to write about now? Like, what do you want? And we took it one song at a time. And it didn't take long for me to realize that I was kind of building this really beautiful chronological piece of my life in my early 20s. And so even just going back to music that I'd written, you know, just throughout college, but never reached kind of a production phase. And so we were just working song by song and she just had this collection of demos and she was listening to things super differently. And I was like, this is such a sad song. And she was like, no, this is a hopeful song. Like it sounds so beautiful. And I was learning so much about different perspectives of how people related to my music and kind of that same message about like friendly of letting other people in, you're going to attract to more people like that. And so she put so many of her own sort of spins on this music. And I loved it so much because one of the coolest feelings is feeling like you get to listen to your own song for the first time. Um, the stuff you'd written, but it has a completely different sound now. And I was realizing I was writing a lot about the same message from the TED talk of like giving up control and how much I was learning. And when you're less, you know, focused on planning your future, which is such the narrative of your senior year of college, you actually are so much more present in what you are absorbing and what you're feeling at that sort of moment right now. And it kind of just became this stream of consciousness. And it felt like I, I remember being like, ah, it just feels like I'm in the passenger seat of my life. You know, like I, my hands are not on the wheel, but I'm just enjoying so much of the ride. Cause when you're driving, you're focusing on forward. Like, and that's just what I felt like was really being taught and pressed upon me. But in the passenger seat, you can, you know, look 360 degrees mm -hmm. and see everything around you as, as you know, everything's kind of coming by. But I'd also really felt like I was really looking at myself like in a mirror for the first time and thinking about a lot of things that I felt. And I was going back to a lot of things that had happened to me growing up and writing about those. And I was like, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. And then I realized on the mirror of the passenger side, it says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear, which I really felt like was a message about everything I was writing on. And it just kind of clicked because everything that I was kind of looking at and reflecting upon, like it just was already present. Like I didn't need to be so forward thinking, like, but even so like relationships that I was going through, I was like, I remember trying to be like, you know, move forward, you got to get over it. But there's songs about like, no, I don't actually, I'm just going to take and I'm going to absorb how I feel right now and take those pieces. So when I do move forward, I have the good things and I have those lessons like mm -hmm. learned. And I just, it was, it was such a therapeutic experience. And I learned so much about myself that it was almost scary. And I was writing like nothing else. And I would spend hours every day working on this album and just sending like mixes and demos back and forth with this producer. And she ended up moving to Australia halfway through oh working on the album. And so 
it became like Zoom calls with the insane time difference of sharing the screen of me being like, I want you know to switch these things around or like I want the bump bun to hit at this different time. And it became a whole different music making process for me. And the album that came out, I think is just the most beautiful introduction to the way that I think in my early 20s and I think is going to serve as this beautiful time capsule just personally for myself as I get older to how I felt then. Yeah, really well said, Jake. Again, giving us behind the scenes on on the process that goes in, what you put, you know, into into your music, into this album that just came out. I enjoyed it. Again, I, I tuned in right before we, we went live here. Yeah. Uh, and just it, it, like it, very beautiful, like and how it connects. And I, I'm pretty sure just as a fan or a, a listener in general, like people pull different words or phrases or different emotions uh, through this. So you talking about, you know, serving your market, your demographic, I think it'll hit home and, and expand your outreach uh, that you're making here in, in music. Uh, so, yeah, just speaking in, in the music industry or, or the space in general, what do you still hope to accomplish in this field going forward? Yeah, I hope to evolve my sound um, just with my own music. I, I'm i kind of just in transitioning my mind to like, okay, this album's out there. Like, who knows when the next music is going to come out, but I'm really just trying to pull like a lot of different inspirations and kind of challenging myself to collaborate more and learn kind of new ways of writing and new sounds that I can create. And I also think I'm just getting so much more comfortable with my voice. And part of that's done with touring and performing live, which I really hope to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. But um I think you learn more things about like, oh, this style or like this tone or this key is are starting to really kind of create my create a new side of my voice. And I think I love learning about that. But um also just with with friendly and, and working as a manager, like I really just want to be somebody that is so immersive and somebody that is just such an advocate. Um and I think that's for for like the clientele and for my friends. I think that's just something that constantly takes work because, you know, they're evolving as fast as I am, like, as an artist. And so I think a manager needs to evolve maybe even faster than they are to know that, like, where they're going, kind of just be one step ahead to be like, I see this is their trajectory going because when the manager's planning six months ahead, like, you want to be where exactly they feel in six months, but you kind of have to build that sort of barrier. And so I just want to become, I want to become a better um, manager and just a better advocate for musicians like everywhere and also just remain comfortable and confident with being so fluid and flexible with what friendly is because like god only knows what the music industry is going to look like a year from now like all it takes is an, is tiktok 2.0 to come in just you know throw everything up in the air and have okay. us all discover it again so yeah. i just want to be ready ready for that because i think that's when you can give the most opportunity to yourself and others yeah really well said jake yeah best is yet to come from jake brewer here uh speaking of so. yeah speaking <laughs> of our podcast the daily grind that is the name of it what does the daily grind mean to you me i think it well it means something different to everybody yep. um that's definitely <laughs> for sure um to me it's I think I've learned a lot lately. It's less about thinking about friendly in my music. And like, you know, I don't think of my my daily grind as friendly and like, this is just what I go all in like doing. Like, I think of my daily grind as like bettering myself to better what I work on. Because I think when you reframe it in that mind, like you're gonna take a lot better care of yourself because, you know, fortunately I'm surrounded by so many entrepreneurial people, but like, you know, the burnout and the exhaustion like is so, so frightening and terrifying that like when you reach that point like you start to fall out of love with your passions and that is like one of my biggest fears like i don't ever see myself doing that but like i know it could happen and so i think when you frame it as you know enabling and equipping yourself to be the best person to build your vision you know whether that be like 
I need to sleep in today. Whether in like, or knowing like, I can't work on this today. Or, hey, I'm feeling really into this today. Or like, mm -hmm. this idea is really inspiring me today. Mm -hmm. I think focusing it on yourself as a creator um, rather than your creation, I think is is how I kind of like to, to frame things. And um, it definitely gives me a lot more permission because I used to be so hard on myself of, you know, you need to work on this every day. And if you're not staying up till midnight every night working, like then you're not gonna succeed, which is all just like, you know, lies. That's not that's not the truth ever. But if you enable yourself to be the best creator, then through whatever taking care of your mental health or just learning the best times when you should work or educating yourself or, you know, just being like, I need to go on a walk to feel like I this isn't my whole life, because that can be something that's really plaguing too. All of those things sort of come together and you're just gonna be so much better equipped to take on whatever happens because something i've learned recently is is that the only thing scarier than things going wrong is things going really well because we prepare for the worst so if you prepare yourself for whatever you're going to be so much more confident in whatever comes oh wow that's beautiful yeah this is this is great we may have to add some of this this terminology uh into our own branding here on the podcast really well said jake oh. Yeah, this Do is, it. yeah, Do it. <laughs> yeah, motivated for sure on today's episode. So yeah, we talked about in closing here, Jake, uh, your daily schedule, you have quite the grind going on at Friendly Media and in music and, and, and overall in this whole entire category. What's on your daily grind later this year, you know, back half of 2022? A lot of touring, um, <laughs> a lot of performing live. This album was made to be performed live and felt like I could hand deliver it to people. And so, and I love the feedback people say of like, I listen to this album differently once I hear it live and kind of creating new versions of it and um, doing that piece, um, touring for, for myself, but also just um, the friends uh, and amazing artists I get to work with. That's the main, that's the main focus here. And who knows, I'm a very impulsive person. So we're just gonna see, we're gonna see what happens. Who knows what path I could be on tomorrow. I like it, you're giving us a teaser on, on the episode here. <laughs> 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 got us got us hooked in uh jake a uh, very inspirational story do you have a word of the day to motivate out uh, motivate our listeners out there or a quote saying you gave us a ton of gems really <laughs> oh yeah i can tell you my favorite um sure. and my mom always texts me this randomly because she knows i really like this and i saw it on hgtv once and yes mm -hmm. you you heard that right hgtv like house hunters yeah. um there was a sign in like one of the homes and i i've heard it different places since but just the saying, today's a great day for a great day, I think is so simple and just like reminds me so much that like every day is the same. And that sounds really sad, but like every morning like is the same opportunity. Like it's really just the way that you frame it. And like, it doesn't even like, you don't have to define great. You know, you can be like, hey, I made it through today. That's a great day. Or like, I learned something new today, like a great day. Like every day has the opportunity to be great in like, um, cause I think we hear a lot like, oh, you have your good days and you have your bad days, which I think is true. But I also think you can have a lot more good days if you just, or great days, I should say, if you frame it differently. So that's one of my favorite sayings or quotes. Yeah, that's great. Simple, straightforward. I'm motivated on today's episode, the week ahead. Uh, and all of our listeners tuning today's episode are as always. Uh, yeah, last but not least, Jake, if our listeners, you have questions, comments, you know, want to get involved, want to learn, uh, follow the artists I'm friendly, including you, where, where, where can we get in touch with you and everything? Yeah, what a great question. Um, <laughs> at Jake Brewer Music, J-A-K-E-B-R-E-W-E-R Music is all of my social handles, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, 
all of those things. Um, you can also reach out to me, Jake, J-A-K-E, at Friendly Media. Friendly is F-R-N-D-L-Y media. Um, dot com. That's just my email for all the business things. And then you can get connected with Friendly at Friendly Media. Again, F-R-N-D-L-Y is how you spell Friendly because I think it's cooler without the vowels, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of those platforms. Um, my whole goal, and hopefully I've conveyed it, is just is connecting with people who are just excited by what I'm excited about. So I hope to meet some new friends through this. Yeah, wonderful. We'll put all Jake's contact info in today's show notes. As always, a big thanks to Jake for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Kelly, for having me. This has been great. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian.